Magandang umagang muli sa lahat at tayo ay magpapatuloy sa ating pinatalakay. We will be continuing our study of in our Sunday School of the main subject which is Christian Holiness. And we are now in the section where we are dealing with the form of sinning that is at its most uh, perhaps severe. And that is when it becomes a habit and we are dealing with this as a an accommodation to how other people will describe it as addiction oh by the way i have decided to continue uh, live teaching as i am assured that uh, the uh, the rec- record will go as usual to those who are our contacts outside the church so with that uh, we'll be having live teaching from here on so we, by way of review again, we are dealing with Christian holiness and the main frame of our understanding of Christian holiness must be dictated by the two comings of Christ. The first coming and the second coming. The first coming has produced what already is true of believers in terms of holiness while there are things that are not yet because Christ is yet to come and that is the consummation. So today, because of these two comings, we are living in the interim of the uh, already and the not yet. Already that is inaugurated and the not yet that is still coming. That is why the Christian is living a life in a sense of tension. Tension of living out that which he already has and then awaiting that which is yet to be, and because of that, there are still remaining sins of this age. So the believer already has the beginning of holiness, but he will only be made perfect in the consummation. That means in the practical outworking, balancing the ought to the standard. And then the can't, the reality, the reality that we still sin, and therefore we try to do to we try to deal with this by emphasizing the primacy of the mind you deal with sin primarily through the mind not by simply uh, stopping it by sheer will uh, rather you fill your mind with the right thoughts and in filling the mind with the right thoughts uh, something that is clearly stated by the Apostle Paul as a principle is the putting off and the putting on. There is now the new man in Christ, and we share in that new man. Therefore, we have the realities of the new man, and we put off and put on. But this putting off and putting on are in correspondence. As I keep explaining, they are not sequential. You put off first, and after that, you put on. No, the, re- the way to deal with Sin and the way to grow in holiness are correspondent. Uh, they are done and pursued together. So we are now dealing with the issue of sinful habit. And as I've said, I'm accommodating to the concept of addiction. And by, say, by saying that I am accommodating, that means I'm not sold out to it. I have problems with the idea of addiction, but I am using a reference that is Christian and at the same time with, a, with medical backgrounds for both authors. So in understanding addiction, we must remember again by way of review that addiction tends to be deemed as physiological and psychological. Uh, no, there is something that is physiological and psychological in the treatment of some addiction because something happens to the brain. Uh, it may be an overgrowth of uh, some uh, chemicals of the brain, uh, dopamine or others, and uh, we need some treatment for those. But the problem with addiction simply regarded as physiological and psychological is that it overlooks what to us is the more important issue, the moral, which means choice. It is the choice of the person who has perhaps fallen into addiction. It does not happen overnight. It is a series of choices. And because he has not stopped the choices, it turns out that uh, what it led to is that of addiction. So in this subject, we have dealt with addiction in terms of substance, addiction, concentrating on alcoholism, 
Last week, we dealt with visual addiction, uh, concentrating on porn addiction. And today, we will deal with the last umbrella of the kinds of addiction. There are many kinds of addictions as listed in the references, but now we are now dealing with the last umbrella of this, which I call emotion addiction. So it's not really emotional addiction. Baka yung addiction ang maging emotional, kundi yung addiction natin ay yung emotion. Uh, when we resort to emotion uh, for relief. So emotion addiction is when one is venting uh, his emotional state as a form of relief and escape from stress. Kung basta ipinapahayag na lang niya, uh, binubulalas ang kanyang emosyon sa panahon ng mga uh, siguro mga problema, mga suliranin. Uh, and so we need to have the right concepts of emotion because emotion in itself is not bad. But just like anything that God has given us good because of our sinfulness, we can use it sinfully. So we need to review here the fact that as far as emotion is concerned, man's emotion resembles the emotivity of God. Now this is quite a debate among theologians whether God is without passion. You may have heard of that expression. Uh, without passion means he has no emotion. Uh, this has been the Middle Ages position on theology, uh, but it has resurfaced uh, in our modern times and it has become, in fact, in some circles, a matter of separation, which is to me very infantile. But I put myself on the side of not a dispassionate God, but neither an emotional God, but rather the better concept is emotivity. And by emotivity, we see that in scriptures. I'm just giving you one example of this in Psalm 90 verse 11. Who knows the power of your anger? So when God is angry, uh, the person who is the object of that anger will feel the power of that anger. Your wrath matches the fear. You are Jew. So it is matched with an emotional response of fear because there is an emotivity on the part of God. But let me hasten to add that when we say God is emotive, it simply means that God has the capacity for emotion within the bounds of His uh, divine being, but divine emotion is real, but it is not to be mistaken for what we always make our emotions to be as sentimental. Sa atin, ay pang-sentimiento ang ating mga emosyon. Uh, ang poot nagiging uh, pagkasuklam at uh, kaya naman pagbamaktol o pagtatampo. O yung ating katuwaan ay maaring maging, uh, again, sentimental. Uh, that is not God's emotion. He has emotion which is real. Uh, you cannot, uh, you cannot uh, escape from that conclusion if you read the scriptures very clearly. Uh, but uh, in terms of the place of emotion to human function, its main Function is that of giving color, so to speak, to human experience. Nagbibigay kulay. Uh, nandun pa rin, kahit walang emotion, nandun pa rin ang isang bagay. Pero halimbawa, tumitingin ka sa isang bulaklak and it's just, I think, to a color blind will always appear like greenish. Uh, uh, kung ganun lagi ang nakikita niya, uh, it does not show very much the beauty of his surrounding. So, uh, what emotion does, kung meron tayong emotion, nabibigyang kulay ang ating buhay. Now, that can be good, like delighting in God's creation. You know, when you look at a beautiful uh, spectacle of nature and there is that, wow, uh, that's emotional response uh, because of the beauty that you are seeing. And that gives color to your experience instead of a very dispassionate person who, say, who sees a, let's say, a very beautiful spectacle. And all that he can say is, 
the height of the mountain is this many feet and the color of the uh, vegetation is green and then he describes it in a very factual manner there's no color to it and uh, that is something that does not make life colorful at all but again as any human faculty because we are sinners emotion can be done or can be exercised in an evil way like delighting in your neighbor's harm uh, natutuwa ka pa natatawa ka pa kapag nasaktan ang isang tao, lalo pat galit ka sa taong yun, eh, maaaring may emosyon ka ng delight. But uh, the Bible warns against gloating at the destruction even of the enemy. And we should not do that. And yet that is part of the evil of our emotion. So in man's depravity, dito natin makikita why it becomes an addiction is when emotion governs because emotion is not meant to govern humanity. I keep saying the mind is the governing faculty of man. Uh, what we do is because what we think is right or what we feel that may be contrary to what we think, it is what we think that must prevail over what we feel. That's what it means to let the mind govern. But many times when the thinking and the feeling collide, what do we often follow? We follow what we feel. Because that's very easy to vent. Eh, ganun ang nangyayari. And the Bible says, uh, or as Apostle Paul makes it his resolute uh, principle, we are not trying to please people but God. Now, what do you think? feels better when you have to please God and sometimes pleasing God means that there will be people who will be angry at you, will be offended at you and doesn't feel good. But in your mind, you know what God is saying and you need to choose what God is saying over what people would like you to be doing or saying and that often is a challenge to preachers. Why do preachers preach falsehood, well, many times the reason is because they want to be admired. They want to be accepted by their hearers. They want the applause of men, and that feels good. But for the right functioning of holiness for the Christian, he must make sure the mind governs the emotion. But when the emotion governs, that's the beginning of a sinful lifestyle that is emotion-led. And that's when emotion is not in the right place. So the mind must govern the emotion. Uh, human superiority is in the mind. You see, I've often heard people say, I'm sure you have heard me say this, uh, that man is the highest form of animal. Well, there is something animal in man but lower form. Sight, I mean, cats are better. I'm sure my cat is better than me uh, when it comes to sight in the dark. Or you know, skin, skin sense of smell or hearing. Animals outdo us all the time. But why are we superior? The mind. Even with our closest, they say, relative the chimpanzee, with only 1% genetic difference between human and chimpanzees. But what is the gap in the way we behave over chimpanzees? Well, over thousands of years, chimpanzees before are still chimpanzees today. And they have not developed a civilization. We have because of the mind. So it's the mind that makes us the superior humans that we are given dominion over animals. When you follow your feeling, that is when you are like an animal. I'm sorry for the language. It means that we are not acting as human because as human, it should be the mind. You know Romans 12 too, that we are to renew our minds and conform it to the will of God instead of being conformed to the word to the world so it must be the understanding over the feelings first corinthians 2 and verse 12 says now we have received not the spirit 
of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know. There's the word. It's not that we may feel, but that we may know. So the Spirit is moving in order that He make it known. So how do you know the Spirit has prompted you? And so many times you hear that language from Christians today who will do foolish things. And when you ask and confront them, they will say, well, that's the Spirit, what the Spirit prompted me to do. Well, don't blame the Spirit for something which your feeling has dictated on you to do because when the Spirit deals with us, He deals first with the mind. He makes us know because one action or one operation of the Holy Spirit is called in theology illumination. Pagliliwanag. Anong nililiwanag niya? Ang isip, ang pagkaunawa. So the first thing to ask is, do I understand this right? So that is understanding over feelings. So no matter how you are confronted with a Prince Charming who is flawless physically and who just says all the right things that tickle you to the bone, but an unbeliever, well, what do you understand? You understand, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's what you know. But your feeling is saying, I cannot live without him. Well, cute, but unbiblical. Uh, not right understanding. So what is understood in the mind must, be, must govern what is felt. After Jesus washed the disciples' feet, anong sabi niya? John 13, 17, happy are you if, if you do them. And knowing these things, happy are you. If you do them, you see there the order, know, then do, then you'll be happy. But many times we first put, I'm not happy with this, so I'm not going to do it. Even though you know, uh, I'm not happy going to church and see that brother again or that sister again or that man in the pulpit uh, I'm not happy seeing that. So, you follow your feeling? No. You do what is right. And then the happiness will follow knowing that you have done what is approved by God. That's what we call clear conscience. That happiness. So, understanding over feelings. When understanding is wrong, emotion will be wrong. Pwedeng mali ang emotion kahit tamang understanding. That's why you follow still the understanding even when your emotion does not follow your understanding. But if your understanding is wrong, uh, better believe it, the emotion will also be wrong. Because it will be happy in something that is wrong and wrongly understood. So also, it is truth over sentiment. Now, hindi pareho yan. Sa understanding over feelings, we're just looking at the human constitution. Now we're looking at the Christian. In the Christian, when do we exercise understanding over feeling? It is when truth is over sentiment. Let me give you one example in Exodus as part of the Mosaic law. Uh, it says, you shall not follow the masses, or in some translations, the crowd in doing evil. Nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. Paraphrase, do not follow the popular and sacrifice the truth or sacrifice justice. Halimbawa, merong bandwagon na sabihin nila, ito ang tamang gawin. And you will be politically incorrect if you say that homosexuality is sin. That's passe, they say, and you keep saying that, that's no longer popular, you'll be hated. Well, this verse is challenging that. It is challenging you to take a position that is not popular, that is not according to the masses or to the crowd, and take the stand. And that's, as I keep saying, a lost conviction in our day. Men and women of conviction who are decided about what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false. They're not willing to say it because it is unpopular. But that's precisely what uh, is challenge of us. 
ang magdadala sa atin na sundin ko anong gusto ng marami ay emotion, hindi ang truth. Truth must not be compromised for company. Uh, that is the point. Even sometimes that company may be brethren. The truth cannot be compromised. So teaching the truth, and that is the reason why it is the primary ministry of the church. Of course, it is happy for the church to have concerts and singing fellowship uh, every now and then. And we do have that. Uh, and that's good. But to have that which is happy over teaching that can sometimes be boring uh, is to be misguided about what the church is all about. What sets apart the church is not about music. If the church is about music, the world outdoes us. Talo tayo sa mundo. Pag music ang pag-uusapan. But teaching the truth, that's where the church should be in expertise. Remember Matthew 28.20 as a continuing task of the church teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So emotion easily takes the vacuum unfilled by the understanding. There's the danger of the emotion. Kapag nilayuan na ng understanding ang kanyang governing place, ibig sabihin, the understanding should be on the throne of the human Uh, constitution, but when the understanding leaves his throne to rule humanity, emotion immediately takes over. And there is an ongoing threat of coup data in the human individual. The emotion is always seeking to rule. And iba-ibang mga Uh, challenges yan. Binanggit ko na yung if you are confronted with the potential of a relationship that is very emotionally attractive to you but you know that it is wrong, then uh, that is a challenge. For some, it may be quite another thing. So, uh, we need to understand that uh, when understanding is not governing, you will not be ungoverned. You would... Re- instead be governed by emotion. So, hindi mawawala ng na umiiral sa pagkatao natin kung hindi ang pagkaunawa natin ng umiiral, iiral ang emosyon, ang damdamin. So, uh, <clears throat> habits of prevailing emotion indicate therefore weakness of principle. Kapag naging habit na, ibig sabihin, lahat naman tayo nahuhulog uh, sa pagkakataon na umira ng emosyon. Uh, we all have to confess that na nangyayari yan. But when it becomes a habit, then it shows that principle has given way. Uh, at least kung nanantili ang prinsipyo mo, alam mo agad kapag nagkamali ka o pinairal ko na naman ang emosyon ko. Uh, so makakabalik ka kaagad. Pero kung hindi na, bigay ng bigay ng emosyon, habit na yon uh, well, there are emotions especially that tend to govern when unrestrained. The most obvious example is anger. Uh, anger has its right place because anger is destructive. Anger should be at the seeming, not The, uh, not the brother, the, the person of the uh, Christian himself. Uh, my message kanina is about how to deal with sinning brethren in their sin. So there is a right place for anger. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. But anger can be such an emotion that it easily takes over. And it, as I said, Emotion colors, and when anger is prevailing, it colors everything. Uh, if you are angry with someone, kahit na mabuti ang ginagawa niya, ay, uh, may masama pa rin na makikita. Uh, yung sinabi ni Elvis Presley, when everything I do is wrong, uh, 
So, pwede mangyari iyon na uh, everything a person you're angry with, uh, everything is colored by the anger. The mind should be stronger than the emotion. But how does that happen when it is gripped by truth? So, hindi ito personality na eh, talagang yung taong yan, intellectual-minded yan. Uh, kaya madali niyang pairali ng alam niya. Kaya ako, uh, hindi ako masyadong academic-minded. Kaya uh, tanggapin mo na lang na emotional ako at uh, ganun talaga. Hindi, hindi pwedeng ganun dahil even the simplest Christian can have truths that he or she should have in mind that grips. Let the truth grip you. Yung talagang hawakan ka ng mahigpit. And Ephesians 4.14 gives this uh, desire for Christians to grow that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. But a slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now, ang gagamitin ng mga bula ang guru, the false teachers will use that which is emotionally attractive, that which is catchy to our feelings, whereas truth often challenges, truth often contradicts what we have been bred to believe. And yet, that is the way to make the mind govern over the emotion is let the truth, have a truth. In any particular situation, a truth applies at least. In many cases, a cluster of truths apply in any situation. At the same time, many feelings can apply. And it now becomes a battle of the truth or the feelings. And for the Christian, my, my exhortation is the mind, let the mind be stronger than emotion by letting the truth grip your mind. So it is a common mistake, or it is common to mistake emotional response as spiritual response. Salimbawang nakikinig ka ng mensahe at tuwang-tuwa ka, hindi dahil, hindi dahil kay Lebron James, kundi natuwa ka doon sa mga narinig mo, at nag-respond ka. Now, the danger is to mistake the emotional response as a spiritual response. And we have an example of that in the parable, parable of the sower and the soils. In one instance, the stony ground hearer, we are told, is the kind of hearer who receives the word with joy. So, galak na galak siya sa salita, at sandali siyang umusbong, uh, it germinated for a while, but then other factors came in and the uh, heater dried up, remained rootless. But he had a joyful response. So do not think of spiritual response as being emotional. Sometimes a person may not have that much of an emotional response but uh, the truth is creeping his mind. At yun ang iuwi niya. Pag uwi niya, daladala niya ang katotohanan. At kapag dumating na yung hamon, ang katotohanan na sa isip niya ang mangingibabaw. That's spiritual response, not emotional. So yan ang pag-ingatan natin. So as to this emotion addiction, let's consider a special case as we have done with... Substance addiction on alcoholism, visual addiction on porn addiction. Let's have a special case for emotion addiction. And the special case I'm choosing is anxiety habit. I call it habit more than addiction, although many will call this addiction because I believe that this is more in line with a moral choice rather than just something you can reduced to the physiological and the psychological. I have read uh, a, several references that have very complicated discussion of anxiety. And again, I understand the many things involved in anxiety. I'm trying to simplify it. But how serious is this problem? Well, we number of people with anxiety disorders, according to uh, our world in data report, 
from 1990 to 2019, uh, among females, uh, then the males, as the years go by. And then just a few days ago, the New York Times gave us this piece of news that says teen girls report record levels of sadness and sadness is one of those forms of anxiety uh, according to references, according to the uh, CDC, Center for Disease Control. Uh, and it says adolescent girls reported high rates of sadness, suicidal thoughts, and sexual violence as did teenagers who identified as gay or bisexual. So it's not my point now to discuss homosexuality, but rather the fact that the danger of anxiety is increasing. It especially leapfrogged, lumundag ng malaki during the pandemic. People were just worried. And so we now have the reality of anxiety. So how do we make sense of anxiety? Anxiety is regular response when it becomes a habit it is when your regular response is one of inner panic at the stressful. Of course, it can have physiological manifestations, sweating, dilating eyes, uh, trembling, and the rest. But uh, when we look at the inner side, it is an inner panic at the stressful. So we ask, what we mean by stress? Stress is experience of unwelcome change. Lahat tayo, uh, gusto natin stability. In stability, we find security. So when something changes, for some even trivial, nagkakaroon na sila ng anxiety disorder. Uh, naalala ko noon, uh, when I was much less mature, uh, I was very dependent on my pens, and I have several, but I have my favorites, about two or three. Maulang isa doon, I, I can't do my work until I find it. I must find it uh, at all costs. And sometimes, pag hindi mo na hinahanap, doon mo nakikita. Uh, pero that's the trivial. We respond, we, we respond with panic. Uh, at a simple change like loss of pen, or it can be grievous, loss of a loved one. It counts in the order of stress experts, uh, the loss of spouse as the highest uh, stress. And then it goes down the list. But there is unwelcome change. Uh, something that you do not want to happen, but it happens. So change happens and you respond with an inner panic. So some adverse reactions to stress are natural, not sinful, like grief over loss. The Bible does not forbid grief. In fact, it is expected. Even if you say the one you lost was a Christian, that does not prevent us from grieving. In fact, Refusing to grieve on the pretext that the Christian who died, the deceased, was a Christian and therefore he's in heaven, that is plastic and uh, artificial. We naturally grieve. But what I want to say for Christians is that even the natural adverse reaction like grieving must have a Christian perspective. So Paul says, you know what will happen to Christians who die in First Thessalonians 4. In fact, they, we will not precede them. They will be preceding us. Mauna pa sila sa atin. So, nag-resurrect na sila, eh, tayo nasa lupa pa bago, bago tayo i-glorify. Uh, yun ang mangyayari at the second coming. And because of that, Paul says, so that you may not grieve as those without hope. So it does not say, do not grieve. What it says is, when you grieve over a Christian who dies, you grieve, but not like those who are without hope. So even adverse reaction that is not sinful, it must have perspective. 
So here, anxiety, when it becomes consistent as a response to stress, is already sinful. That's why I put it under sinful habit. Kapag laging ganoon ang tugon mo sa stress, then uh, it is indicative of wrong priorities, very often materialistic. Uh, kapag uh, nagkakaproblema na, na sa pera, sa provision, uh, the Bible tells us that. 1 Timothy 6.9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So how do you explain that people who have love for money have many pangs? Uh, well, that's the point when you are... When you think the solution always is more money and you see that your resources are depleting, uh, that's when you begin to worry and you begin to imagine all kinds of negative things to happen in the future. So worry, when it is consistent, often proves wrong priorities, uh, often materialistic, and it betrays disbelief in the providence of God. So here is one truth that should grip us. Remember, one tru- a truth that should grip in order to govern over emotion. One truth is providence. What is providence? Providence is using all natural events to arrange them to carry out His good purpose for His people. So we're not talking about miracles. In fact, the overstress on miracles today has... Lost for many the wonder of providence. You know, things happen according to God's will and purpose that do good to His people, but in all ordinary ways. Nothing miraculous. Hindi kailangan ng himala. So, favorite na ng marami sa inyo ang Romans 8.28 uh, all things work together for good. And as I keep reminding you, it doesn't say all things are good. There are many things that are bad in this sinful world. But this is what providence means. God is going to work them out in order to bring out the good. So this is the truth that challenges us in times of stress. Anxiety is not a mere matter of temperament, but of character. Kaya, again, ditong magka-cut out ng iba na, eh, ganun na ako talaga, ma, ma, ta, madaling mag-alala. So, tanggapin mo na lang yung aking personality. No, Jesus makes it a matter of character. That, nung sinabi niya sa kanyang mga, mananam, uh, mga tagasunod, as we will see in a while. So, this is what happens kapag nauna ang stress, how do we deal with anxiety when it is a habit? Well, let me use again paradigm passages, familiar ones. Philippians 4, uh, sa verse, if you begin with verse 5, it says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So it's an exercise of reason. And then, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the word surpasses all understanding does not mean you are against understanding. It is the person who acts according to his understanding and then acts in faith who is able to act even beyond what he could understand. And that is the exercise of faith. And then another text is again familiar, Matthew 6.25 following. But let me just read. uh, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, 
by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. And then it goes on, and probably the most familiar in this passage is verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In all these things, so he's talking of the common object of worry, things. What you eat, what you feed, what you wear, things. And this is a matter of faith because Jesus said, Gentiles, and by Gentiles, he means unbelievers, seek after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So using this, let's look at the three ways. Again, the three uh, stages or three dimensions of dealing with anxiety habit. First is the problem of denial. The problem of denial, how the person who has this problem resort to denying it. Denying that he has that problem. And he does so because anxiety has the appearance of caring. Caring is good. Uh, a uh, head of the family caring about the tuition fee of his studying children and the food that they will, uh, they will eat and their health. He cares about them. And anxiety has the appearance of caring. Kaya madaling i-deny. Sabihin lang ng anxious person, eh, hindi, iniisip ko lang yung para sa ikabubuti ng aking mga mahal sa buhay. Uh, but what sets apart or what distinguishes anxiety is that it dwells on the negative. It becomes fear. It becomes worry. So, negative thoughts. May masamang mangyayari. And you always, uh, and that dictates the way you deal with a problem that is anxiety and often denied. Then, very clear in both instances of the passages we used, prayer is a key to dealing with anxiety. And prayer, again, I emphasize, is casting oneself upon the Holy Spirit, just like in substance addiction and visual addiction. You are casting yourself upon the power of the Holy Spirit because you have come to the point of admitting you cannot. Uh, you are helpless uh, at this kind of habit. So you cast yourself upon the Holy Spirit, but it is a praying that must be believing. Why? Because anxiety is because of disbelief. And prayer, therefore, should be an exercise of belief in order to neutralize the disbelief or unbelief. Kaya uh, sa panalangin, uh, ay yung sinabi ni James na without doubting, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, etc. So praying also is the time to mind-forming. Now, you have been probably... Uh, exposed to ideas of meditation today. Meditation in the way of uh, the world, the meditation that is advocated by enhancement, self-enhancement movement, is emptying the mind so as to be at peace. That's their technique of meditation. So they use mantra, they use other techniques just to empty the mind because they think that is the way of peace. Meditation in the Bible is feeling the mind. Feeling the mind with truth and with the agenda of the scriptures following Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You're familiar with 4 verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think. It is in the imperative. Think about these things. So, hindi mo hihintayin na pumasok sa isip mo, kundi pinup, uh, hinuhubog mo na sa iyong isip. You are shaping it in your mind. You are filling your mind with content. And these are the agenda of a mind-forming prayer set the mental agenda, then the process of replacement. Once again, 
It must be radical cessation. In this case, it's often in the matter of thoughts. Dun sa dalawa natin pinag-aralan na substance addiction and visual addiction, there are often external occasions. Now, in the matter of worrying, you have no control of the external occasions. Things happen that create unwelcome change. You have no control of that. But they happen, so it becomes a struggle in thought. Pakikipagbaka sa pag-iisip. And oftentimes, the thought we struggle with is coveting. Now, don't imagine coveting as simply wanting to be rich. Coveting is desiring with insistence anything God has not yet provided. Kapag pinipilit mong hangarin ang hindi pa ibinibigay ng Diyos, yan ang coveting. Ang pagka, what's pagkasakim, greed. Uh, well, coveting ay anything God has not given. Hindi ibig sabihin na you're not desiring it in the future, but if God has not given it at the present, Do not override God. So, radical cessation. So, don't think about it. Remedial substitute is fill the place of anxiety. Palitan mo. Like habit for habit is our point here. Uh, in order not to be anxious, you do not just stop being anxious. Replace it with hoping. Hoping is the grace opposite to anxiety. And also, by way of help, have mature conversation. Huwag kang makipag-usap sa anxious na tao din. Ay dalawa na kayo nag- nagpuno ng anxious thoughts sa isa't isa. Uh, mas uh, mas mabalisa pa pala yung taong kinakausap mo. Hindi kung uh, alalang-alala ka na nung kinausap mo siya, pagkatapos ng pag-uusap nyo, nanginginig ka na. Uh, so, remedial substitute. And then finally, Renewal lifestyle, renewal lifestyle is when it becomes a matter of nature to you to reject anxious thoughts before they paralyze. But they will always come to our minds. But before they become paralyzing, reject those thoughts. It's a matter of choice uh, as to rejecting those thoughts. So here is another grace. I said hope is the opposite of anxiety. Also, contentment, since as I've shown from the scriptures, often anxiety is uh, provoked by materialistic desires. What you will eat, what you will wear, financial concerns. So contentment is the opposite grace to most stress, especially when the stress is financial. And very often it is financial. So Uh, the right thought is to bear in mind emotion is a human faculty given by God, but it must always be under the rule of the mind with right understanding. Uh, that's the right thinking. Hindi mo reject ang emotion. It's good to have emotion as long as it is under the mind. And then the resolve is I will watch which emotion easily gets the better of my understanding. And my believing mind must rule over it. So anong emotion ang madaling umiral sa'yo? Galit ba? O pagkabalisa? O ano pa man yan? Uh, you have to name what emotion it is. Or it may be a sentiment of romantic love. Uh, you, sino man ang huli mong nakausap, you get a crush on. Uh, that also is emotion uh, disorder. So watch it and then make sure the mind rules. Remaining sin will make the person think emotion is a wonderful human capacity. I find it very powerful and I should just let it vent itself itself as part of my humanity. So ito yung nag-iisip na this is just being human. Uh, yes, it is being human but it is sinful human. If emotion rules, because that's not the way we are created. And it will lead into a behavior where the person thinks people must understand 
that my emotional emotional expression is part of my human temperament and he expects others to just accept him as he is the challenge to us is cultivate thankfulness that's what you see in our text in philippians uh, uh, with thanksgiving cultivate thankfulness for what you receive and have we covet for that which we do not have we are thankful for that which we have that too do not reside in the same heart with a prevailing presence. It's either you are coveting and you're not thankful, or you are thankful and you're not coveting. And the last verse for this, going back to Ephesians 5, which covers both last week and this week, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as it's proper for saints. Coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving of thanks. So take note along with sexual immorality and impurity, and yan ang greed, or in other translations, coveting. Huwag niyong gawing usapan yan. Uh, uh, pag pinag-usapan niyo na ng may pagkaingit, o siya, ganito yung kanyang... Uh, sweldo, ako ganito lang, uh, pag nagsimula ka ng mga ganyang comparison, you will not be thankful. Eh, buti pa siya, ganyan palang sweldo niya. Uh, ako'y hirap na hirap sa trabaho, hindi ako nangalahati man lang sa kanyang sweldo. Ano na yun? Angal na yun. Grumbling. And for that grumbling, the whole generation of the Israelites who went out from Egypt died in the wilderness. That's how God takes seriously our grumbling. So cultivate thankfulness instead of this talking which only provokes anxiety. Uh, 